energy. And this is all I did. And now it's like, this is all I do. All I do is cook. And so I'm, I'm getting good at it, but I'm almost 40 and I don't have my own restaurant. I don't have, I, I'm not at the level that usually chefs at my age are, have already accomplished. Mm. And I get, I get down, but then I, every so often I have interviews like this where I'm just like, wait, no, but I also did this and this and this and this. And I committed my life when I was in those stages. So, I mean, I, I think it, it's helpful now. Like I, I take the lessons I've learned in dance culture and the conservation culture and all that to what I do now to create a stronger philosophy on what I I do as a chef or as a cook. Thank you for coming to uh, Quinn's TED Talk. And, um... <laughs> After was Chef Quinn Lai talking about bringing her experiences in different industries into what she's currently doing, which is cooking. Her and fellow chef Ben Wiley started Stock and Candor, and they've been using their experiences from different areas and bringing it into their food. And it's really, really cool because what they do is, you know, um, Quinn is Vietnamese. And Ben is Korean growing up in uh, Michigan and they use their different experiences from, you know, their cultures, but then also their experiences of just life and all that stuff. And they bring that into their food, into their cooking. And so, you know, much like other people that have nine to fives, their nine to fives just happen to be cooking as well. So when they do their um, stock and scanners pop up, it's something that they get to do specifically for themselves. And it's really cool because then they can really be do, present the food that they want to cook and the food that they want people to experience. So I thought that was really, really, really awesome. Um, and also, too, it was cool to hear uh, Quinn's voice about just kind of reminding herself that like, oh, no, I'm, I'm a badass, too. I've done a lot of cool things. And so, you know, don't get don't get too down on yourself for not being somewhere, not being in a place that you think you should be at this age or the this stage in life. So this conversation was really, really cool. Um, both Ben and Quinn have um, a lot to uh share especially about food and how their approach to it is and also to just you know bringing different experiences and um sharing that experience with people that might not be able to um taste those types of flavors and where they're at they're based out of uh, grand rapids michigan and so bringing in um the asian food that they start to provide in an area that might not have this type of style so i thought that was really really fresh and it was something that it was really cool to kind of hear and also a good reminder because i think sometimes things if i do i forget that like, oh man, yeah, I've done a lot of different things. And so not to get necessarily too down on yourself when you're kind of like, oh man, I should be, you know, more here, or I should be at this level or this title or this position. And I'll just, just kind of remind yourself, it's like, no man, all these little pieces of experiences all lead into what you're doing right now. And it will lead you to greater things as well. So without further ado, this is My Friends Are Fresh with Stock and Candor, Chef Quinn Lai and Chef Ben Wiley. It's so like amazing to see where everyone is now. It's just crazy. Like you're like you said, like we're not just all dancers. We like branched off to be these other things that are important in our lives. Which is a perfect segue to you (laughs) Uh-huh. 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 So uh thank you, um, both of you guys for coming on. Uh, my friends are fresh. Um Uh, yeah yeah yeah. i mean you know most of it one of the good reasons is like you guys are um both cooking like really good food Uh, again i've never tasted it i've only seen pictures so therefore (laughs) i am assuming but in uh the realm of social media if you see their pics or it didn't happen so i'm assuming it's good (laughs) Um, oh man so much but um but yeah you guys are in grand rapids michigan Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, well, actually, first, introduce yourselves for the folks oh. that don't know. <laughs> I'm Quinn. I'm Ben. And we're, um, our side project is uh, Stock and Candor. That we is a thing we do together. Yeah. And you guys are both um, chefs in Grand Rapids, Michigan? Yes. Mm-hmm. And then currently, what, what um, type of food are you guys cooking for your like nine to five, I should say? Our, how would you describe? Like, it's like... Um, very aware of 
it's like farm to table. Yeah. I would say is the seasonal part. Like we use a lot of seasonal vegetables from local farms. Mm-hmm. And it's important for the restaurant to like have connection with the, the people who are actually providing oh, all, nice. the, all the products that we're using. Like That's to have dope. a strong relationship with them. Yeah. Nice. I know. I just yeah. got like a, I just got like an arrow garden. So I'm doing like fresh herbs. It's just life changing. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh, I'm using fresh basil. And so oh, yeah. I have time. I got like dill. I'm like, what do I use dill for? I don't know. Let's figure it out. So yes. <laughs> yeah, it's been fun actually. I like I've I've we got the arrow garden in last year and it was like oh right, right before COVID and definitely oh, used like what a great time. What a great time so, for something like that. Yeah. I didn't realize like I mean, I knew that fresh stuff is good, but just like you actually do it, like you start to feel yeah. better. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah. I have fresh basil, like whatever yeah. I want. You and know? it's weird to pay yeah. for something that's way worse than what you could just have this basically for free once you put in a little bit of front end money. No, 100%. It's kind of insane. And it's crazy because um, I live in an area now where they're known for like their citrus. So um, oranges and like lemons and stuff like that. So like we can get like, you know, oranges from like local folks or, um, oh, uh, lemons and stuff, and they're yeah. huge, just like that uh, juice. Oh, and then, man. like, I get it from the you know the grocery store. And I'm like, look at these little guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they taste like nothing, or they yeah. have no juice in them. Oh, what is going on here? What happened? Yeah, it's What's like I don't get it. This? So, but yeah, I'm starting to appreciate like more like uh, a local um, foods and stuff like that. But then also yeah. kind of like yeah, like growing your own stuff. And like the Arrow Garden is perfect because you live in an apartment, so they can kind of do you know experiment with certain things. But um, but it has been fun to kind of like do that. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. And then so for you guys, like you guys are in your day job, you guys are doing more farm to table type stuff. But then stock and candor is more authentically um, Asian, Asian driven, like not specifically Vietnamese, but you guys have doing like just different takes. Like how did that kind of come about? Uh, so when we were cooking out here, we would we we noticed that the Asian food that we were eating was it's it's OK it's good to like hit a craving or or anything like that, but it didn't feel, it didn't taste um, authentic. Like it didn't taste as strong as it wanted to. And we understand that too. Coming from a restaurant perspective, you have to cook a lot of it for who will pay for it. Yeah. So if something's too spicy, people won't, won't buy it. If something's too salty, too, whatever, too funky, too fish saucy, too anchovy, all that stuff. It's hard to sell. Um, if the general public doesn't want to pay for it. And a lot of Asian food tends to be more on the casual side. So it has to be affordable and people don't want to spend, you know, $30 on a dish for Asian dishes, typically, typically. So you kind of have to play the business and the, this whole game to find the right um, price point, the right dishes and all that to please the public so that you can keep keep continue cooking and people will continue buying and getting mm, business. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, um when I was living in Brooklyn, um a bami place opened up in uh, Williamsburg and uh-huh. I was kind of like, oh shit, no, I got some bami, I'm going I went up there. Kill it. Yeah, yeah, I was actually really excited. I went in, I saw Vietnamese people there. I was like, cool. I was like, all right, all right. All right Checking off right, all the right. boxes. And then like, uh, yeah, I got like a pork uh, sandwich. And then I was like, actually, you know what? Let me get two. He was like, cool. Uh, $22. I was like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah. I was like, you charging these white people $22? For <laughs> and he started laughing and he was like, where are you from? I was like, the Bay Area. He was like, Okay, right. 75 cents. <laughs> <laughs> and then so we had a whole conversation about that aspect yeah. of it of like the, yeah. you know yeah. understanding like you know because I told him I was like yeah you don't really there are good Vietnamese places in New York um mm-hmm. mostly most Asian food that is like really really good is usually in Queens and it's like there are parts in Brooklyn but like so it was interesting to kind of hear his take on like why he was doing this, this price points like we had a whole conversation about it because I was like really curious because I'm like you know these are like the quarter sandwiches 56 sandwiches yeah, but then the upscale yeah. is so crazy and he was like well think of it also is you were around a lot of Southeast Asians and so for you of course in that area those are like the 50 sandwiches it's but- food yeah but then put that in the context in like a big city or right. somewhere like that. Yeah. yeah. You know, there's rents, there's this, there's yeah. that. Plus yeah. people have never had that. So you can kind of play with that. And I was like, I never thought of it in that context. Before. Yeah. yeah. Also yeah. reminded me we're, we're spoiled in the Bay area for that aspect. Yes. <laughs> yes. 
and I have that conversation with um, with my head chef at the restaurant all the time because I'm just like, how much are we charging for this? Like, this is crazy. Like, you don't even like charge that in the Bay Area. And he was like, you have to you have to put in the the cost of labor and yeah, of the, all the overhead prices. Um, we are a specific style of restaurant. It costs us this much to get all the everything running. So if we're going to make your bread from scratch, your mortadella, everything's from scratch, you're pickling everything that takes time. That takes money. That takes, we have to pay you. So that's, you know, this bun me is now no longer 75 cents. It is now. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And that was the other thing about here. I mean, especially for some of our food is like taking some principles of this, like farm to table and seasonal things and applying it to yeah. cuisines that normally that's it's not that it's not relevant it's just that like you know vietnamese food for instance in southeast asia basil and mint and coriander and stuff are growing like all the time and year round that it makes sense so that's a seasonal ingredient there but in michigan that's not a seasonal <laughs> ingredient right so not that you can't get it year round but it costs more and it's you know the quality is slightly different so yeah there's like, there's a lot of factors of just like, just cause you have a good concept one place doesn't mean that you can just instantly transplant it for the same cost anyways, and have it make business sense. Especially. There's like, there's so many factors. That's crazy. And so then you guys started to do like smaller, like pop-ups of like, like a certain amount of people instead of cooking for like a bunch of folks. Like what was the thinking behind now that? Well, we, we did our like, like dinners for friends and stuff like that that we we like i don't know i've always done he's always done and then we came together and we've always done it together um and people were like you know what i would pay for this (laughs) (laughs) we were like what yeah we're like well we're already doing it (laughs) yeah capitalism i'm already doing this yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) so um, they would tell their friends and they'd be like, you know, like my friend would love to have a dinner party with your type of food. Cause you, in, in Michigan, in Grand Rapids, you can't find what we're doing, um, every day at a restaurant. Here. So we offer dishes that we kind of grew up with or inspired by, or, um, want to create or whatever, or are testing it out. Um, on people who are like either somewhat versed in the cuisine already or are open-minded enough to kind of accept whatever's going to come at them Mm, kind of thing. So for, for us, it might not be exotic or like crazy or anything like that. It's just, um, for instance, like a a different type of pho, like chicken pho instead of beef pho or something like that. Right. Uh, Whoa, whoa, whoa. I believe the term is pho. (laughs) (laughs) is a very popular uh, dish i've been learning about this oh, called yeah, pho. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no I, I, that makes a lot of sense though because i think the um that was one of the things i did learn leaving the bay area and moving to the east coast was like i was used to a lot of very um specific type of cuisine and like i like i like pho it's not like my favorite thing but i do know what yeah. good pho is yeah. and so then when i started to taste not good pho i was like what is this what I, and it was like, is it like this? Yeah. Yeah. It was weird. And I was kind of like, wait, wait, am I the only one that noticed this? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. and like, I'm not a super foodie or anything that, but uh-huh. because you're right, like stuff that you've always kind of been around and grew yeah. up and, and going somewhere else and trying to, you know, taste that same thing. You're just like, this is not the same. Like, right. That's right. really weird. And, um, that's like the common thing with um california people moving to new york is like you can't get a good burrito which is 100 percent correct yeah yeah <laughs> but yeah. the reasoning is the majority of um mostly mexican people that do migrate or go to um, uh, new york are more from the east coast of mexico which is different flavors different uh, yeah. spices and so once i started to realize yeah. that i was like oh that makes sense that makes sense yeah burritos are more of a blah mm-hmm. california thing not a mexican thing and so yeah. i started right. to learn that that nuance and that difference and so then i started to be a little bit more like oh okay so i should 
um, be a little bit more open-minded in terms of like how I uh, perceive a lot of these foods, but then also appreciate when like when I do go back. So when I go yeah. back home, I get like, you know, I get some, like I get a burrito or I, yeah. you know, I get yeah. food or like, you know, yeah. I, when I moved to California, I was eating burritos every day for like two weeks. And so like, yeah. I finally got, I was like, Oh, El Pastor. Yeah. It's yeah. like, that's all I asked for is El Pastor. Like that's it. That's all I need. And, like, and I don't know. In Michigan, it's like what everything is a wet burrito. So everything has like this, all the burritos have a sauce on it and you have to eat it with a knife and fork. And I'm like, this is not a burrito. Like what? And it, and to them, they claim it as like, this is a Michigan thing. And I'm like, really? Like the whole dish is, uh, it's just mind blowing to me. I'm like, this is not a burrito, number one. And then now I have to eat it with a knife and fork and you're proud of it. I'm just so confused right now. So then, so now like, um, now that you're starting to do more like dinner parties for like homies and stuff, like you started with the homies, but now yeah. you're starting to like charge for it. Like, yeah. how are you kind of constructing the menu? you for it are you kind of like okay let me go and be as crazy as i can or is it more like okay let's no, try a few no. things let's kind of organize it a little bit yeah, so yeah. it's palatable for like Absolutely. a, a yeah. new group of people that you've never met before we we will talk with whoever our hosts are and see where who they are where they're from what they've what they've experienced so far and work with their palate um we we don't do a bunch of stuff like where we like we don't do the whole the whole menu needs to be gluten free or the whole thing needs to be vegetarian or anything like that. Um, that's stuff we do at the restaurant all the time anyway. So for us, Stocking Candor is cooking dishes that we really want to present to you um, and that we really want to figure out. We want to share it with you with as little modification as possible. Like I will share basically the. Californian Vietnamese dishes that I know um, should how they should taste how all that and I will present it to you and hopefully you you like it now you tell me you don't eat um, pork then fine I can do we can do a menu where there's no pork present on on it but that's that's probably as far as we go you don't like eggs <laughs> fine we can do that yeah. but. For the most part, we do it exactly how we remember tasting it and how we, we, when we want to keep the, that's our definition of authenticity is mm. that it has some sort of foundation from what we know it to be, yeah, to be served to you. Yeah. You know? Because that's what's missing here. It's like this like diluted Vietnamese, if there is Vietnamese food or Asian food, it's if it tastes diluted mm. and it's like, that's fine. That's fine. So that it's an introduction or whatever. Yeah. But we're looking for our guests. We're looking for people who want to taste stronger flavors and are ready for it uh, and ready for it. I like that aspect. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, yeah. yeah, I need uh, no, no meats, no soy, no, yeah, dairy, no this, that. no yeah. that. Yeah. No. It's like, that's because, the restaurant, you know, yeah. nine to five. <laughs> only in like, only like my, my parents used to tell me all the time, only because you have grown up in, up in America, are you able to make those type of um, oh, preferences? Oh, yeah. yeah, that's a good point. You know, yeah. no one is lactose free in, in Vietnam. No one is gluten free in Vietnam. Like, you don't have that uh, privilege to yeah. think that way, you know? So, this is what it is. This is what we have. And this is what we have to offer. Do you, are you hungry? Because <laughs> this is the food that's on the table right now. So, I. Like speaking for chefs, like the frustration that we are in are like, this is what we put our heart into and this is what we're going to offer to you. And for you to kind of like say, I don't want to like that. I don't eat onions. I don't eat this and, and all that. A part of that can become heartbreaking. But if you're in the industry long enough, you learn to deal with it and you learn to, you know, move on from it. Um, but for us, stocking candor is our personal. Um, experience that we want to share to you. So we don't offer modification, a ton of modifications. Yeah. Like how we, how we happily operate in our regular <laughs> 95, you know, yeah. in the restaurant. No problem. No yeah. onions, whatever. No, if you don't like it spicy, fine, you know, yeah. but 
or stocking candor. That's like a personal experience that we yeah. want to get. We want to share with you. I, I think too, it's like a part of, you know, like challenging people in a, in a way that is not, you know, frightening. It's just like, Hey, this is something you're not used to. And this might be us busting the door wide open. You might like really love it and like really want to dive deep. And, you know, that's our hope, I think. But, you know, if it doesn't, like, we're not going to make apologies for trying, I think. So it's like... Because at the very least, we, we, because our philosophy is connecting with farmers and connecting with people, the quality is there. The quality of the bread, of the vegetables, all that, that's present. Now, if you still don't like it after all that, <laughs> it sounds like a personal problem to me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. Well, this is just not your thing, you know. Or we're not cooking it the way you like it, or whatever. But the the basics is present in front of you, and hopefully, you like it. Mm. Yeah, yeah. No, that makes, yeah, that makes. I think that's actually kind of a it's a cool way to look at it too, because you're right when you're doing more controlled smaller kind of like parties and that kind of stuff right it makes it more fun where it's just like you know um yeah and you can i think because you're there because you're you're already buying into like like you already told me the philosophy so i know what i'm getting into as opposed yeah. to yeah you go to a restaurant well I, lo- I, re- I read up on yelp that uh <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 so and we we set up everyone up to that for that we yeah. we make sure everyone's on the same page with us that's cool that's really, really whereas cool. a restaurant you can't do that you that's it's such a big broader thing you can't like tell everyone you need to think this way when you enter into this restaurant <laughs> like no you can't that actually would probably be better for the like everyone yeah we could put a sign up in front like you need to be thinking this way before you enter yeah are you ready? <laughs> yep. I personally don't like anything moving, so this is not yeah, my place. Right, I will right, go somewhere else. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that, that makes that makes a lot of good sense. And so now you guys have done it for almost a two years now. Like pre-COVID, you guys were kind of like you guys were getting a little bit more steam. And I like that you guys were mixing it up too. Like you guys would introduce different cocktails or because I know yeah. you know like Quinn used to be a bartender for a long time. So like yeah. you know, you were thinking of new things to um, kind of make with that would go along with the food. Yeah. And also um, you guys did a nice tribute to uh, Anthony Bourdain, yeah. RIP, when he that passed was, away. Yes. Yes. Rest in power. And um, so like, even with that one, like what was your thinking for doing like a more Anthony Bourdain, like centered menu? And when, when Anthony Bourdain passed away, that was a very, um, I do, I do not follow celebrities where they like impact me like that, you know, but Anthony Bourdain really like, he was that voice that was telling the general public what a lot of people are thinking and people were ready to listen to his voice and the way he, he told the stories. So it was a very important um, tool and persona to have out there. And when he was gone, it felt like like a real loss. So when we did our dinner for him, it was more like our our payment of respect to to him. If he were to show up to our table, what will we cook for him? And there's nothing there's nothing you can put in front of Anthony Bourdain where he'll be surprised, I don't think. But I can all the only thing we could do is put in front of him what we who we are. So it's just another meal for for an Anthony Bourdain or any celebrity, right? Any celebrity chef. Just another meal. But during this meal, you get to learn who we are. And in general, that's how a lot of serious cooks are. Like they they put in front of you what they think is delicious and what they have put their work um, into, hoping that you feel all the love that they put into. Right. Like a lot of, a lot of, I cannot speak. You know, obviously you're, you're witnessing right now. Like my words are, are my vocabulary is short, but when I can like put it into my hands and into my dishes, I can express a lot more of who I am 
And that was more a stronger message for someone say like Anthony Bourdain than for me to sit down and actually talk with him. Mm. So our, our meal for him, it was, our menu was a letter towards him. And it was like a past, present, future dishes. And the dishes like coincided with those thoughts uh, because I, we felt like that's, that is the way to express ourselves as much as possible for someone like an Anthony Bourdain. Yeah, that's really dope. And that's, <clears throat> sorry. And then also like parallels a lot with how people use creativity to express things they can't necessarily say in words. And so like, if you're an artist or a dancer or these other yeah. types of things, your art is kind of like how you kind of express what you couldn't really say. Yes, you know, like yes. not, not everyone is a great orator like myself, but yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, I, under, I get I what you <laughs> The quickness you have with your thoughts. I always have envy that. <laughs> but no, that makes dope. That's, that's actually really, really dope. Cause I think, no, that's something that taking it from that aspect of it is um, gives it more of a a personal feel to it than you know, like you said, like when he passed. You know, we are, we live in a, an era of social, so it's a lot of black and white photography. It's a lot of you know, well wishes or quotes and that kind of stuff. But then, like putting together like a meal of like like you said in a love a letter that would kind of like explain how you would feel but in food is like super awesome and it's something that's yeah. like very specific to what how you guys operate and then also something different that you wouldn't necessarily see so yeah i think um, yeah. <clears throat> even for me like i liked watching um bourdain for like one like he just goes to these really cool places yeah. um but then also too he was like very open to like eating everything and so yes. it was that that gave me a little bit more like you know i could maybe eat something that's moving maybe yeah. i remember a very specific episode where he's like eating the intestinal tract of like i don't know a goat or a wild pig or so. i don't i don't even know he was like in africa somewhere and the tribe fed him what they for them was the best part and it was like the intestinal tract of this animal and they didn't clean it to you know what we are accustomed to in America. So he was like, I am eating actual shit right now, but I am not going to, I'm not going to make any negative face. I'm going to smile and grunt and like, thank them for this. Cause I understand like what they are offering me. And that type of awareness and respect for a culture other than your own, that tells me a lot about you as a human being, you know, like yeah. you're able to listen and you're yeah. able to absorb and you're able to um, live amongst everyone peacefully, or at least, yeah. you know, yeah. and that's <clears throat> a lot of respect. Yeah. And empathize too. I think that that aspect of it too, and, and being respectful of folks is a uh, culture and yeah. stuff like that. Like that's the thing, yeah. even for me, younger, growing up around a lot more um, Southeast Asians, I had to learn yeah. that like, you know, when they offer you food, you're supposed yeah. to say yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> yes, I'm starving. Yeah. I didn't know that. You know, before, I'm like the best rice i've ever had <laughs> i just ate but for some reason i'm so hungry right yeah. now yeah, exactly yeah. I, did, I was like six or seven and i'm like no 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 i'm good and i remember i said that to one of my friend's grandmother and like she never let me down for like live that down for like a year i was like you had to work I, it off i didn't know yeah, yeah. <laughs> you do a lot of good because that demerit is huge <laughs> so but like but yeah exactly there you go so then like, i learned and now you know i almost expect to get food and then when i don't i'm like whoa 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 what's yeah. going on here now i'm offended <laughs> i don't have food but so quinn you were more you were you were more growing up in the bay area and then you yeah. were more growing up in like michigan and like how was your experience more um well so i'm adopted so I grew up in this, you know, suburban white neighborhood, you know, and I, I kind of like, when I talk about my story, it's kind of like these two worlds colliding of like, <laughs> I clearly am not like white, you know, I have a white last name of white parents, but I am not, you know, I am not a white person. Um, and my parents, you know, bless their heart. I appreciate all they did. They really tried to like, um, let me experience as much Korean culture as they could get into my life. So like we went to Korean church when I was a kid, my mom, 
who like you know Doesn't is speak a lick of, of lick of Korean like yeah. learned is in church is in church. <laughs> she like learned how to cook. She got Korean cookbooks to like make Korean food at home with us. I went to like Korean culture camps. Um, so like in terms of our like kind of dichotomy is like she has a very authentic traditional approach to her food because it's like it's very black and white passed down <laughs> through generations right this is wrong yeah <laughs> yeah and mine is this mine is this one of like osmosis of like i i didn't grow up in this but i learned it through kind of like the desire to know it you know rather than it being forced on me That's... and i also had this like inclusion of my own my own thoughts my own like you know i didn't grow up cooking cream food every day. I grew up cooking other things. Like my mom's family is from down South and like Alabama. So like I grew up like the first things I remember how to like make on my own was like biscuits and gravy, you know? (laughs) So like I have this weird like combination of these like kind of two different things. And so whereas she's really traditional, I'm like very much more like eclectic and it's kind of like, you know, I, I, I don't love the word fusion, obviously, because it's like really overplayed. But this idea of what's authentic to people is really different. You know, what's authentic to Quinn is not what's authentic to me because I didn't grow up with like necessarily authentic anything. It's just yeah. that it's authentic to me because it's not, you know. Yeah, I mean? that's actually super. Yeah, that's really, like I got an interesting question. Um, I made some uh some ube cookies um from the like like filipino like uh, uh purple yam or whatever yeah and like yeah. they're not really good they're ube crinkles actually um but yeah they came out really good and i was like really like oh this is good and then my my girlfriend was kind of like well is there any like authentically like african-american cookies and i was like that's a great question i have no idea <laughs> yeah and like i asked a lot of my friends and like one of my friends was like nah man you think we had freaking flour when we were slaves like, what the hell <laughs> yeah. But, but he had, he yeah. was he was making a joke but it was actually interesting because i was yeah. like actually, that's a good point because a lot of the dishes that are from say you know uh southern like um, black cooking usually are like um, cakes or pies or like certain that's not really quick things or like big yeah. baking goods and stuff like that. So as I started to look through it more, I was like, oh, wow, we don't really have a specific African-American like cookie specific, but yeah. <clears throat> doesn't mean like, I mean, there's chocolate chips and like everything else, but like, yeah. it doesn't mean it's not authentic. Like there's you no, know, like I learned, like I can make, you know, cobbler and like those aspects of it, but it was really interesting to think of it in that respect where I'm like, Oh, okay. I didn't think of what, what an authentic, you know, African-American cookie is, or even with, um, you know, Korean food as well. Like I'm a big uh, K drama nerd. I am <laughs> literally there's an old Ajima living me, living inside of me. I watch all of them, the rom com, all of it. I watch all of it. I've been, I've been, I've been watching K dramas for probably like ten years. Like wow, one hundred percent hardcore about it. And I laugh because That's like crazy. I started to learn to cook like certain Korean dishes, and then now uh-huh. I'm starting to make the connection when I watch it on television. Oh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but you guys are oh, okay. Fried chicken and beer. Word. Yeah. Okay. Well, you, baby. Yep. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Wait, so I started to have like again, it goes back to appreciation for like the different types of settings for those aspects of it. And so like even me, like I don't really cook a lot of like uh comfort food as much because it's like super sugary or super fatty and like it's delicious. Comforting. <laughs> yeah. 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 Although I've been looking more into like um the like vegan style uh southern comfort food and i get it like it doesn't taste the same oh you know what take the back some people have figured out a way to get to get those same type of flavors Mm -hmm. but it takes a lot to kind of get there where it's just like yo that butter would be way better (laughs) (laughs) yeah 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 so yeah yeah i get you when we're talking about like that authenticity is like you said authentic to you kind of thing as opposed to like what other people would kind of go for so then Yeah. yeah With that, did you try to um, not necessarily stay away from Korean cooking, but did you just kind of like started to utilize certain aspects of it into the way you were cooking as you got um, into sh- cooking more? Yeah. So it's it kind of funny. I've gone through this kind of like pendulum swing. When I first started cooking, I actually really didn't want to cook Korean food because I didn't want to end up being a Korean cook who's not really, you know, <laughs> didn't grow up in a Korean household trying to make only Korean food and be you know, like, Oh, that's the only thing you can do. I was like, 
you know, chefs all over the world, like want to like be great at everything, obviously, but like, you know, most people specialize eventually in a thing. And I was like, I really don't want my thing to be Korean or even Asian food. So I actually like shied really far away. I learned as much as I could about like classic, you know, kind of like Western European cooking. I like got really into all that stuff. And then, you know, as that kind of happened, I kind of like realized, you know, like that's kind of silly. Like it's part of my heritage. It's, it's not necessarily part of my upbringing, but it's part of like who I am as a person. Like I don't exist without this other part of the world. And so it's kind of like been a slow turn into like, you know, I do want to learn about Korean cooking and now it's like, I want to learn as much as I can about it. And it's these this cool combination of, you know, like all these things that I learned to avoid it and now kind of like melding with all these things that I want to learn about it. And so for me, it's just, I don't know, this really cool kind of like intersection and it really just ties into who I am as a person as like, you know, this two worlds combined, you don't fit anywhere, but you fit in both places sort of. It's sort of like my food. It it kind of is both, but it's not really either. And I'm okay with that because that totally fits who I am as a person and as a cook. And I think that that's what makes uh, my my food really authentic to me. And I feel really proud about putting it out and telling that story about. It. I think it's like, you know, it's it's not necessarily a sexy sell of like, Oh, it's like, you know, I've grown up eating this dish for hundreds of years, you know, or like <laughs> it's been passed down for generations. Like, no, I'm like kind of figuring this out as I go, but that's like part of my journey as both a cook and as a person. Yeah. It seems, <clears throat> it seems more, more and more. That's kind of like the story where people are like, not necessarily just like, oh, this is the recipe I know from generations, but it has been like I'm kind of figuring it out and kind of trying new things. And like, I think that's helped. That's the good part about stuff like like a food network or anything like that. It kind of exposes people to different types they wouldn't normally yeah. have done. But then it's also kind of bad, too, because, right, a lot of that authenticity kind of gets goes away now because like right. everybody can do fried rice. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's weird. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. It's like I want there to be places like I want there to be the Italian pasta place that's like done the one dish for like eight generations. And I don't want those places to ever go away. You know, I want the Korean mom and pop place to like exist and do that thing that they're doing. But I also think it's important to just realize that 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 story is not everyone's story and that's fine. You know, like you don't have to be tied into that. It's great if you want to. And I think, you know, it might take stepping away to like want to come back into those those roles with like renewed passion or renewed understanding of like why that's important. And I think those sorts of traditions can continue. But I also think the divergence is how new paths are created. And, you know, I'm sure it can relate to dance of like, you know, if everyone's just doing the same stuff all the time, like what really changes, you know, yeah, that's, like that's, you that's... need people to like you want both worlds and they're fine to exist in the same universe, you know? Yeah. I think that's, and it's funny because dance right now is like exactly that, where I think the, the older dancers of us, the old peoples were like, what is going on here? Yeah. <laughs> it's like all doing the that same thing. Man, do you remember the new running man? I was like, what the fuck is that? That is not the running man. <laughs> Call us something else. <laughs> well, to be fair, that particular dance is from Jersey, from Jersey Bounce and all that kind of stuff. But it's not, you're right. It's not the running man. It's a different type of thing. But Let the horse trot, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. <laughs> but but it, I was laughing because uh, when that was like very, very popular, I was DJing. And so a girl had came up to you know request a song. And like I work nine to five, but I also DJ. So I'm not as... Uh, mean as other people, but I'm more sarcastic. So, like, I know people that DJ five times a week. So, when people come up, they're like, no, just get away yeah. from me. Like, right. I'm not trying to hear it, you yeah. know. But for me, I the think best it's communication. Exactly. But for me, it's just funny because, like, I DJ with like a couple times a week. So, I think it's like, you know, entertaining. So, someone came up and they're just like, hey, can you play the Running Man song? I was like, first of all, no. <laughs> I was like, second of all, go on Google, figure out who is that actually is that song, artist and title, and then come back. And legit, she walked away, took her phone, oh. and then she came back and she was like, can you play 
uh, Ghost Town DJs, my boo. <laughs> and I was like, I would gladly play that song because I like oh, that song a lot. Wow. So, but yeah, the, uh, the personality, I would say the memories of people is very short. So if you don't really know those things, like, you know, um, now that I've been like, you know, living in New York for so long, I was like, you know, got to hop into different like restaurants and like just like, one of the things that we would say when we're talking about um, restaurants is like, we found something new. We would just go there as much as we can because it's probably not going to be there for, <laughs> for longer. So we yeah. can just enjoy it. Like I found like a really good grilled cheese place. And I went there like every other day because it's probably going to go away in like six months or something yeah, like that. Yeah. But um, to that effect, there was always new people like, you know, trying new things and trying to figure out a spin on something that's like an old favorite or whatever, or just doing an old favorite really, really well as well. Right. I think yeah. that's that's why I was like um, so interested in seeing how the um, the food truck um, uh, like popularity started to happen because I was kind of like, wow, this is really weird. Like just one thing just in the food, just that. But they, they do it really, really well. So I was like, this is cool because then yeah. you can kind of just focus and be like, hey, this is the thing that I like really well. I just want to make yeah. this. That's it. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. all right. This makes a lot of sense. And so starting to see that was like really interesting to see. And it gives more opportunities for people to cook food in um in a way that actually is sustainable and not ever that everyone has to be you know in the kitchen or like go through culinary school or like those like really really like you know yeah uh, tr- traditional ways yeah and it's yeah. not like you need like you know a huge investment group to get behind you to get a food truck right as opposed to like a brick and mortar in New York is going to cost you, and, you know, who yeah. knows how much That's insane. So if you're just like a person with a dream that that'll never happen unless like, honestly, you just like run into like a couple, you know, million dollars or something, you know, yeah. so it's like, but as opposed to a food truck, you can like, you can get that going on, you know, yeah, pretty, just a little bit. Yeah, definitely. And so I mean, now with stock and candor, do you guys want a brick and mortar? Do you guys want to keep it like more on a pop-up? Do you want to like, you know, what, what do you want to do with it? I mean, COVID obviously has kind of changed a lot of things because like, yeah. you know, you're not hanging out with a bunch of random people getting sneezed on, but, um, as the world changes and starts to open up, um, yeah. well, you're, I mean, you guys are already kind of doing outdoor spaces anyways, but like, what do you guys want to do with sock and gander now that you're kind of starting to get going? We do. So we are moving back to California sometime this year. Mm-hmm. And realistically, right now, the plan is to open up a little shop, hopefully in five years. But we still want to learn um, how to work in like uh, more competitive fine dining restaurants in California um, and get our skills to be better than than they are. Um, and then. By by that time, I'm already, you know, in my mid forties. Hopefully, just in my mid forties. There's not a, a lot of time to be like. What are you talking about? You can just be hanging out. You'll figure it out. You'll be like sixty five, and she's like, I, yeah. I, I finally opened my shop. I'm sixty. People are like retiring, like you know, and I'm just like on my new venture. No. So I realized how old I am and I have like put a, a real timeline on we should have something figured out within the next five years with the hopes of working in really good restaurants when we come back to California. And um probably on the side we'll still do supper clubs and stuff like that because business-wise it sounds better to do something simpler so that it can be taught to others so that eventually we can move away from the shop it just seems like this is like a business thing where it's like i need to be able to put something in a restaurant where eventually i can it's easy enough where we can move away and retire and it can continue if it wants to or not, you know, whatever. So it can't be something so fancy that it needs our attention all the time for the next 20 years. Yeah. We, we need something that we can like put responsibility upon others to perfect or whatever, and then retire. 
hopefully in our seventies or something, you know. <laughs> Never retire. Never gonna retire. <laughs> because before before moving to Michigan, I was like, I'm not going to retire. I'm going to die in my job and never own property because that's not reality. Um, kids are too expensive, so we're not going to do that. You know, like, and you move out to it's a very uh, it's pessimistic life you got. You're, well, no, you're, you're foretelling. Well, you're from the Bay Area. You're that's not pessimistic. That's realistic. True. And then you move away, and people are like buying homes. They have like regular. <laughs> ass jobs are buying homes they're having kids and like not die- you know they're surviving they're not dying and i'm like wait how many people are doing this you're like oh everyone everyone <laughs> yeah that's like a normal thing in america yeah. to like buy a house oh have kids yeah. debt just kind of like you know watch like, tv every day and just do the nine to five like mind blown <laughs> Mind blown. So I was like, I want to retire one day. That would be nice. Like lately, I've been like trying to work in this restaurant industry and like the body just isn't what it used to be, you know, like picking up heavy items and lugging things around. Like I used to be able to do that 14 hours a day, go home. No problem. Seven days a week. No problem. And now like my back's hurting. I have headaches. Like knees are starting to feel weak. And I'm like, you're turning turning into an Ajuma. Nice. Hilarious. Yeah. I like I like that you realize you're old. That's like the funniest part. Uh, it's terrible. <laughs> I re- I realize it. I don't remember it all the time, Cam. <laughs> like in and out. Yeah. It's a rough awakening someday. Yeah. It's once someone asked me to do something and I'm like, oh, that sounds heavy. That sounds heavy. Yeah. <laughs> I gotta remember. Oh, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> that's, that's my short-term memory is. Dude, that's so funny. But at least, at least now you, yeah. But at least now you're kind of like have a a little bit more of a concrete or um, solidified idea of like how you want to kind of approach things as opposed to just kind of like I think the um, for me, especially quote unquote career wise, I've just learned a lot of different random skills that's kind of always helped me in my career. So like, there's you know someone asked me the same thing. They're like, yeah, you know, what's your, like, what's your career path and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, no, I'm like 41, you know, I'm like, what is my career path? Am I going to be like a VP? Am I going to start my own thing? Like, what is that going to be? And so it's interesting now where all of us are there that we've known each other for like almost like 20 years now. So it is interesting to see where kind of people have kind of ended up and where they're still heading towards. Cause you know, some of us have, we have friends that are you know, married now, have kids, they got the nine to five, they buy yeah. a house. And then there's other folks that are, you know, going to like Mexico to go paint like a mural or something. <laughs> like, yeah, or another yeah, person's yeah. like on TV because of X, Y, Z. You're like, you no, know, so yeah, there's yeah. a, this weird um, mix of the types of people that we're around. So I think finding your own kind of foothold of where you want to go is like the most interesting part to me. So, I think to me, that's the fun part where you're just kind of like, yeah, I don't know exactly what I'm doing. I'm going in the right direction. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not getting worse. Yes. So I'm learning. I'm learning new better. things. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It, it Which, is great to see like our colleagues like, like accomplish such um, uh, titles such as you know, man, management owner, CEO, all that stuff. And you're just like, oh, well, that maybe we are at the level to have that already. Like, yes. I feel like <clears throat> exactly once you start seeing all your friends doing it, you're like, maybe you are smart enough. Maybe you are good enough to own what you're doing. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a good look. And I think that realization hits everyone differently at different times. And yeah. so like, the the understanding of that is is interesting because then from there you're kind of okay now that i know that i can be at that level now what do i want to do with it do i really want to because that's a whole nother level of stress right Right. yeah yeah. but at the same time you know you're qualified for it so now how are you how are you going to use that to your advantage i think yeah 
figuring out that part is the, is the tough part too. Like I had a, a really good uh, friend who's a SVP and he was like, Cam, you'd be a great VP. You have like a lot of good communication skills. You look at things as a big picture. He's like, well, I don't think you want that VP stress. <laughs> He's like, you want those VP checks though, but not that stress. <laughs> so nah, that makes, that makes a lot of sense. I think, yeah, that move to California would be super interesting. And I think the, what you'll well well more than likely happen is when you do start to get to a, a kitchen that's in that fine dining realm, a lot of those things you're like, oh, this isn't even that like greater much than you that you were at. Like it's not but a lot higher than you thought you were. Like you're probably in that same realm. And I think yeah. um, you know, just kind of being reminded by that helps a lot because then you're just like, okay, yeah, I can do this. And then you can kind of go from there. Yeah. 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 See? I yeah. think if anything, we're doing that as like as sort of that, like you know, prove your metal, even though you might already be there. It's like, you still got a trial by fire. Kind of yeah. make sure you're where you want to be, where you think you need to be. And then, you know, like figuring out your own business thing is kind of like, yeah, you know, all you're never going to have it all dialed in. You're going to have to take some lumps as you go. We're just trying not to take all of them all at the same time. <laughs> yeah. we, we've worked for so many people who seem like they they didn't have the a real passion in the restaurant industry it was just kind of like this project for them to kind of like make money yeah or whatever they think like oh this is how i'm going to make my income or whatever and it's just like we just don't want to become um not ignorant but like we don't want to come become those type of bosses we want to know what we are doing so that our staff will respect, you know, what we're saying and stuff. Yeah, that's dope. No, that's a, that's a good way to look at it because you're like, I don't want to be the douchey boss that I have had before. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> hey, you know, it's a good goal to have. You know. Yeah. Like, that, that's when you, I think that's the um, that, but that part is dope because then you because you've had a lot of those lumps and then you've had those type of different types of bosses and different types of um people that are above you now you kind of know a little bit like where you don't want to be at and so now you can kind of you know kind of fashion something different and like you know if you were if you had yourself as a boss it's kind of like when we're um going back to dance is like you know you're teaching someone else how to dance like you don't want them to take as long to learn what you learned in like freaking a year (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, dude, I, I was trying to explain that to somebody. I was like, yo, it took me hella long to learn this. So for you, it yeah. should take you literally like a couple days. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And if it takes you a year, that means it's like, I'm not a good teacher and I should just. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. super important too. Yeah. You got to value yourself as, as mentor, as you kind of flip from, you know, I'm the one learning to I'm the one teaching. It's like, yeah. because you, because I learned well, all, I'm going to compress all that and you should be able to get it in less time. And yeah. that's like a great skill, you know, to have. Yeah, man, I could definitely see it. Well, thank you guys for coming on. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, Cam. Just yapping, yapping about food and stuff. Oh, <laughs> we can talk about food for hours and days. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, you know what? Thank you guys for um, being on uh, My Friends Are Fresh. And uh, thanks, everyone. Peace. Bye, guys. Thank you. <laughs>